So it's really, it is, it's just listening to your body, looking at where you're at and finding the appropriate sort of things that work for you as an individual. And that's what I love about Ayurveda. It's all about just being, you know, all about just you and not following a specific diet or regime. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Rach Active Podcast. We're bringing you insightful conversations to help you live an active and inspired life. So make sure you hit subscribe so that you get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. I'm your host, Rachel J, and I'm so excited to welcome my guest to the show today. She is the founder of Supercharged Food. She's also a clinical nutritionist. She's a whole foods chef, and she's also a best-selling author. And she's written a bunch of books like Supercharged Foods, Super charge your gut, heal your gut, eat your way to good health, and so many more. Welcome to the show, Lee Holmes. Thank you so much for having me, Rach. It's really nice to be here. I'm so excited to chat to you because like we were just saying before we hit record on this episode, we have actually known each other for quite a long time. It's been like we were saying, I think 10 years, right? Yes. Yeah. Such a long time. And such a long yeah, time. it's amazing how long we've known each other. It's great. Yeah. It's so good. And it's so amazing. Like I was saying to you before, it's so amazing to see that you're, you've just really stuck to this area that you really love and you really love to do. So it's, I think for me to see you go through, I guess, so many years of of doing what you love. It's so inspiring to see that. So I'm so, so glad that we finally get to sit down and have a, have a little chat. So it's, um, it's really interesting. I think when I talk to health professionals, especially that usually there's some sort of personal journey or something that we've gone through in our own lives that brings us to this kind of work. Right. And, um, I'm really keen to hear more about your journey. I know a little bit about it, but could you take us through, what was going on for you when you sort of got into the wellness field? Because you were dealing with your own health issues and stuff like that, right? So tell us a little bit about your autoimmune disease and, and fibromyalgia. What was going on with that? Yeah, so I was suffering from Crohn's, actually. I didn't even know it was Crohn's until only a few years ago. But oh, it was really? just before I met you, probably about 12 years ago. Wow. And I was working in the ABC in the kids' music department. You know, I was a single mom and I was super busy in my job and I I just found that I was lacking in energy a lot and my hair started falling out and then I would get all these hives and I lost a lot of weight and I just kept on going to work, you know, as you do, pushing mm. yourself. And, and then eventually I just couldn't go to work anymore. So I went through what I found to be quite a complex medical system because I was going from doctor to doctor trying to find out why I was so tired, why I had hives all over me, why my gut didn't feel good. And it took a while, like it took about a year to really uncover, you know, lots of needles and scans and tests. And they eventually said it was a non-specific autoimmune disease and they gave me a lot of steroids and a lot of medications for it. And then about a year after that, they told me that it was also fibromyalgia, but they couldn't really pinpoint exactly which autoimmune it was. Right. Um, but then eventually, a few years later, they did actually tell me that it was Crohn's disease. They'd have a team of doctors get together because I would have remissions and relapses and would flare up and I would be getting mouth ulcers too. And so, yeah, they connected it to Crohn's disease. I had a colonoscopy and yeah. And so I've kind of, that's how I started getting into wellness because I had previously studied nutrition and cooking 
but I've since actually just last year qualified as a clinical nutritionist because I really wanted to um, go deep into nutrition. Mm. But back then I had um, a fair amount of knowledge, but but it was all kind of trial and error. And that's sort of, yeah, that's generally how I started my website, superchargedfood.com, because I was creating very simple recipes um, when I got out of hospital. And they seemed to be really um, helping me because I'd realized that I was eating a lot of at the ABC, I was warming up, you know, like lean cuisine in the microwave, <laughs> eating a lot of like additives and MSG. And I think that was really flaring up the hives mm. and that wasn't working very well. And so I started to really pare back everything that I was eating and just create very simple recipes. And that's how I was able then to really get the right sort of nutrients and anti-inflammatory style ingredients to then naturally sort of really bring down a lot of the inflammation, which is sort of hand in hand with autoimmune and fibromyalgia, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And and you talk a lot about eating anti-inflammatory foods because yeah. this is kind of the whole basis of, um, you know, supercharged foods and your philosophy around uh, healthy eating. Can yeah. you kind of, t- because also people might not really know what Crohn's is, but what the symptoms are of Crohn's. So yeah. can you kind of firstly go through that a little bit? Because sometimes people do experience even if they don't have Crohn's, there may be a sort of similar sort of um, reactions in the body that indicate they may be inflamed or something's going on in their gut. So can you firstly talk about what is Crohn's, what the symptoms are, and maybe what other people might experience that are similar but not exactly Crohn's? Yeah, there are a few sort of gut issues that it might be. It may not be Crohn's. It may be something else. Um, Mm. Ulcerative colitis is another one, IBS as well. Um, Crohn's for me, the typical symptoms are that I would get mouth ulcers. Um, I would feel really tired, especially after eating Um, And when I had my colonoscopy, they did sort of find the ulceration inside my small intestine, um, which kind of, it's hard when it's there because um, it actually, um, you can't really absorb B12 and iron, which are obviously really needed for your diet. And I did notice as well that, you know, I was very tired. I had no energy. I was losing weight. I was going to the toilet a lot at the Mm. time. Um, Yeah. So those were some of the symptoms that I sort of experienced, but you know, IBS, you can get bloated and pain as well. You can get similar kind of symptoms, like you say. So it's really good to sort of um, get get it checked out by a medical professional. Yeah, yeah. And those IBS symptoms, I think, too, are, are quite common, I think, with the modern day diet. And yeah. so coming back to anti-inflammatory foods, yeah. obviously we're talking about then the body is inflamed, right? Mm. And so this is this is why we need to look at this stuff. So can we can we kind of talk about that um, yeah. and and figuring out, you know, what are anti-inflammatory foods? What does it do to our body and how can we sort of incorporate that into our nutrition and our diets? Yeah. One of the anti-inflammatory foods that I discovered that was really, really helpful and beneficial when I was healing was turmeric. Um, It is, uh, the curcumin in it is very anti-inflammatory to the body. And And I found after discovering from a lot of research doctors, speaking to a lot of scientists, that inflammation in the gut is a really big problem. And that can be the sort of the precursor for a lot of illness. And so the the turmeric, instead of taking anti-inflammatories, the turmeric was just as good. And that's where I sort of started to look to foods, things like turmeric, 
things like fatty fish, omega-3 fatty acids, olive oil, um, berries are good as well. Broccoli is really good, avocado, those kinds of foods. I was eating a lot more of those to really bring down the inflammation in the gut. Mm, yeah. And it's it's good to kind of know, I suppose, how to address these types of things that we might experience through eating whole foods, which is basically, I guess, your your philosophy and knowing these different different types of things. So how can we, I guess, one of the things that perhaps people might find difficult to do is if they have been having a diet that or nutrition and approach where they have been consuming things that are more highly processed or like lean cuisines, like you were saying, how, how was it for you to be able to kind of almost wean yourself off those foods and start to eat in a more anti-inflammatory way without kind of reverting back to eating those other kind of foods, you know? Yeah, it was hard and it was very much trial and error because I remember 12 years ago, there wasn't that much information around foods and inflammation and which ones were inflammatory and which ones. I just, what I did was I really pared everything back and I really started to tune into how I felt after eating And so if I would, and I also went, as you say, like quite natural. So instead of a lot of the, you know, processed foods that you buy that have like 10 or 12 ingredients in, I just went back to whole foods. So I was making a lot of soups. I was making a lot of like stir fry veggies, um, baked veggies in the oven, smoothies, just lots of kind of nutrients put in together, lots of colors as well. So that I would, um, yeah, stay away from a lot of the packaged and processed foods. I think that, um, you know, it is hard to sort of stay on that forever. So I think a lot of people, and even starting on it, it can, you can get some, you know, some kind of reactions when you're going off processed foods. So it, it is really a process whereby it's better to do it just just very um, gradually, I guess. And so what I was doing was one meal a day, I would do like a home-cooked meal and then I would slowly do two meals a day and then I would um, gradually increase it like that as well. But now I can eat pretty much anything, but I still love to stick to whole foods because I feel so good after them. You know, it's just nice to be able to do that. But obviously when you're out and about, you don't want to be too picky. You don't want know about what you're eating so it's just a balance I think at the end of the day yeah and I really like that too that approach where you I think a lot of times people can kind of do this thing where they go full ball into it and and oftentimes what people find is that if they if you are transitioning into a new way of eating that if you go cold cold turkey essentially it it is really hard to do that so that nice ease into it I I really like that approach Uh, so this obviously ties in with gut health and keeping our bodies balanced. And um, obviously this is this is the topic that you like to talk about. You've written several books about it, Heal Your Gut, Supercharge Your Gut. And you also have a nutritional powder range and capsules and things like that that can help people with this. So what are the biggest factors do you think that contribute to creating an imbalance in our guts and even for people who aren't specifically suffering from either an autoimmune or Crohn's or just people in general what causes the imbalance what are we doing in our lifestyles that creates that yeah I think there are a few major things that really um tip the balance of the microbiome or the good or bad bacteria in the gut the major thing is antibiotics so if you can avoid taking antibiotics for certain things and if you can go natural and it works 
then that's good. Obviously, if you need them, you need them. But antibiotics is a big one. Mm. Smoking as well, alcohol. Um, Believe it or not, stress is actually a really big contributor to that imbalance of flora in the gut because it strips the body of good bacteria and it changes a lot of processes within the body. And so stress is one as well. And a lot of, you know, highly processed foods can do that too. And sugar is another one too. So sugar can feed bad bacteria in the gut and then upset that beautiful balance. Mm. Yeah. And, the, and the pill too is another one, isn't it? And the pill. Yes, yeah. that's, a, that's a big people one. People say water as well, like the chlorine in the water and things like that. Oh, um, really? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess so. it depends on which state you're in as well because the, the tap water in different states is um, is really different. So to kind of balance our gut again, obviously eating whole foods, do you have a, I guess, regime aside from incorporating more whole foods or anti-inflammatory foods, is there, I guess, a go-to method that you have that you have because you've got quite a few programs and things that help people do this. Yeah, I've got a program, but... But generally it depends on the state of your gut, but whatever the state of your gut is, you can um, reverse it and you can really, really heal it, I believe. Mm. And I've done that. So depending on how you're actually feeling, I think one of the first things to do is to have cooked foods if you have gut issues because a lot of raw foods are really, really hard on the gut, even though they're super healthy, but they're very hard to digest. And if you've got ulceration or you've got a sensitive gut, then taking out raw foods for a period of time, even if it's a one day a week, you will notice when you're cooking foods or even if you're having it raw but blended into a smoothie, it is going to be more easy to digest and, and be um, a lot more gentle on the digestion and on the lining of the gut, which is really important. I found with me, when you have an, a lining of the gut which is ulcerated, it, you can't absorb things well into your into your body and so that that can stop you from getting vital nutrients and um yeah so you want to be able to sort of heal over that lining if you if you feel something's going on and you can do that with very gentle foods and most of those foods are like cooked or smoothies and things like that i know it sounds a bit boring but that's one of the main things i think as well and then what you could do is give your gut a rest so maybe eating a little earlier, maybe finishing dinner at six and then having a break until like nine in the morning if you can, just to let everything settle and and and, and heal and recover. I think because we use our tummies all the time and they're constantly mm. digesting and if we're eating all the time, it's doing a lot of work. And so giving it a rest is nice as well. Mm. Yeah, that that's. Um, I think that's one thing that we don't think about as well in in terms of when you think about breakfast. Essentially, what that word is is breaking your fast, right? And so to kind of elongate that that period of time. Yeah. This is this is a really interesting topic that I'm so excited to talk to you about because um, I practice intermittent fasting, and oh, that's I yeah, I do, yeah. and it's um. And it's a, it's a personal preference. It works with my lifestyle, but it also, you know, gives my gut a rest. And I yeah. think there can be a bit of heat on on fasting and fasting regimes in terms of, you know, yeah. um, what's out there. So I know you talk a lot about fasting and, and one of your books is called Fast Your Way to Wellness. So um, I'm interested to know what your experience is with fasting and what your approach is or do you have different approaches? Because there are several yeah. ways to do it. There's not just one way to do it. So tell me about yeah. what you do. <laughs> yeah, so what I personally do is I do the 16-8 and the 5-2 combined. 
So what I mean by that, the 16-8 is um, you eat within an eight-hour period and then you have 16 hours rest. So you have dinner at 6, breakfast at 10 or dinner at 7, breakfast at 11. I think that's Mm -hmm. 16 hours. Um, So you can do that. But I also do the 5-2, which is two days a week. I eat probably around about between 500 and 800 calories actually. Um, two days a week, just just kind of less of lesser calories, and I find that delaying breakfast and two days a week, just eating less, um, it really really helps with your mental processes. I find personally, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So what I would do on a typical sort of fasting day is I'll have. I sometimes don't even have like a smoothie till 11. Mm-hmm. Um, so at 11 o'clock, I'll have a smoothie. But what I'll do is I'll put like everything in it, every color. Um, I put berries, I put bananas, I put rocket in there, I put heaps of greens in there, I put carrots, I put cucumber, I put coriander, I put mint, I put like everything in it, my lung up powder, you name it. I put it all. <laughs> and then I feel like really energized. It's amazing when you give your tummy a rest how much. Do you notice that, Rach? Like I do, yeah. Energy you have? Yeah. So I'll do that and then in the afternoon um, I'll have like some kind of um, protein and then a few carbs, a little bit of carbs and some lots of, because I'm growing my own at the moment. I'm growing my own like veggies and, and herbs. I've got so oh, many amazing. lettuces going on at the moment and I've got green beans. I've got, yeah, I've got heaps going on, zucchinis. It's really fun. So um, something like that. And then earlier, like about five o'clock, I might just have a little wrap or something with some leaves from the garden in there and um, some cucumber and carrot and some other, like lots of colours again. And then I stop eating and I don't eat until the next day. Yeah. Um, I try and push it out a little bit and that's what I do. But I only do that small amount of eating twice a week within an eight-hour period. Um, but I do generally every day delay breakfast. Yes. I find that works personally for me. Eating early in the morning for me, I just don't feel ready for food and I like to give my gut a rest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love hearing that because I actually haven't spoken to that many people who also um, practice intermittent fasting. I don't know if I stick quite to the 16-8 because I usually, I have quite a large window of fasting. So I might not eat till maybe 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, And because it's mostly lifestyle because obviously I'm coaching and then also training a lot. And I prefer not to have food in my stomach when I'm doing those things. So then I'll have that window from maybe two till eight or two till nine where I'm eating all the food and then another break. So yeah, I'm I'm a huge advocate for it because it works really well. Obviously it doesn't work for everyone. And I think it's something that you, you know, can try and see, but what would be your, uh, I guess, suggestion if someone was wanting to try to do intermittent fasting, Mm. again, it's, it's a, a break from what we're normally used to. People are used to having breakfast. Mm. If they want to try to implement this in their life, what are your best tips for starting out to do this? Because obviously, again, maybe the best thing isn't to go full ball into it. How, how would you do that? Yeah. I would also suggest gradually. Mm. Uh, and obviously, if you've got any conditions like diabetes or you're pregnant, you probably wouldn't want to do it. Um, mm. Obviously, definitely get medical advice, but I wouldn't advise to do it. Um, so check all that off the list. And then what I generally would say is, a couple of mornings a week, why don't you just delay breakfast just to start for the first week? Just delay it till like 10 o'clock if you can and see how you feel. And then the following week, maybe on one day a week, just have less calories, maybe between five and 800 and then just see how you feel. And then 
if you want to, you can add in another day where you eat less calories and just see how you go with that. Do it for a month and yeah, you might like really enjoy it. It's, I find it in the first time that you do it, it's, it's a little bit hard. I found that I was really starving, but once you do it and you get used to it, I actually really enjoy the feeling of being a little bit hungry. Mm. And then because you feel so, the benefits are so amazing and you feel so good afterwards, you feel so energized. I feel like I can do a whole week's work in one day after a day of fasting. I don't know if you feel like that, but mentally. Yeah, yeah it, is, it, is, it is very cleansing, I think, for the mind, you're right. And, and I guess it, it just makes you feel clear. Clear yeah. and fresh is, is probably the best way to put it, not clogged down with things, which is so interesting that there is that mind-to-body connection there, which is, which is so, um, so fascinating to me. Um, so moving on, because I know that fasting is a great thing, but there's, uh, there's another kind of lifestyle that you sort of also have incorporated into the way that you live, which is Ayurvedic, an Ayurvedic lifestyle and its principles. And this yeah. is something, again, that's super fascinating because Eastern philosophies are so different to what we are taught here in the West. So firstly, if people who are listening have never heard of the term Ayurvedic or, you know, Ayurveda, whatever the, you know, the terminology is, what are the main principles around an Ayurvedic lifestyle? What yeah. sort of underpins this approach? Yeah, so um, when I was healing the body, I went over to India because I was in search of not just enlightenment, but, you know, it's really looking for natural ways to live as a whole, as a sort of holistic way of living. And I found, I stumbled across, and I'm half Indian as well, so it kind of resonated with me, but I stumbled across Ayurveda, which is like the, ancient medical system of India, which is 5,000 years old. It's very natural. And really it's just about eating towards your own personal constitution. So there are three different doshas and you can go online and I've got a book on it, but you can go online. Yes, you know what, Lee, I I whipped this out and I was going to say, do you remember sending this to me a long time ago? Yes. (laughs) So this book... I've just held up for those listening. Um, it's called yeah. Eat Right for Your Shape, which is one of Lee's books. And it's got a whole bunch of Ayurvedic recipes, but um, she does talk about this, but we can we can talk about it all in here, the, yeah. the different doshas, yeah. The different um, doshas. Yeah. So, um, you do this quiz and the quiz isn't just about what you look like. It's not just about personal appearance. It's about your character and your behaviours as well. So, you know, do you get angry when you get to the lights and um, someone's you know, sped in front of you or whatever? Uh, and, it, it, and there are three different, I guess, doshas or doshas that incorporate into an Ayurvedic lifestyle. And once you identify with one, you're kind of following that path. And, and what it is is the, the basis of it is that it's bringing you back into balance. And there are a few ways that it brings you back into balance. It brings you back into balance by warm oil massages, by yoga, by herbs, and also by nutrition. So nutrition is one, one component of the Ayurvedic lifestyle, and they believe that it helps um, longevity, it helps health and mental health as well. And so the three different doshas, um, if you're interested, are vata, pitta and kapha. So once you do the quiz, you can decipher which one you are. For me, I'm a vata, pitta. They change as well as you get older and they change through the seasons, but you're born with a unique constitution Mm. and that is the one that is kind of, you know, inbuilt in you. And so if you're a vata, 
Um, you could be a little bit sort of flighty, um, nervous sort of energy. So grounding foods, in terms of nutrition, grounding foods are going to be really good for you. So things like um, dal, I make a really beautiful supercharged oh, dal. It, you know yeah. when you just feel like you've been on a flight or you've been somewhere and you just want to come home and eat really grounding foods? Mm, yes. So um, for vata, grounding foods are really good. And then you have pitta, which is a different sort of constitution whereby you're a little more overheated, a little more like CEOs are really um, high in pitta. You know, it's that like fiery kind of nature. Mm. And so cooling foods are really good for them in terms of nutrition. So think, and, and also cooling yoga poses. So you wouldn't want to do too many sun salutations. You know, you want to do more sort of gentle forward bends and things like that. Mm. So pitta, you know, cucumber, um, ice cream if you like it, cooling, sort of cooling foods. And then you have the last dosha, which is kapha. And they're sort of more heavy set sort of people, um, the healthiest out of all the doshas actually. But um, foods that speed up your metabolism are really good for kapha, so things that really kind of generate your metabolism. So spicy sort of foods are quite good as well to get you up and going. Mucus is actually a problem for kapha. So kaffas tend to stay away from sort of dairy products and things like that. But yeah, you sort of look at the foods that are um, good for you for balancing your dosha. And then you sort of live according to that. And, and season, seasonal eating is a big part of Ayurveda. And the other part of Ayurveda is mindful eating as well. Yeah. I'm like, it's so fascinating because it's just one of the, it's a totally different framework to look at food, but also all these other aspects as well in terms of your body. It was just interesting there that you said in terms of the different yoga poses. And so if you're a vata or I don't remember now if it was vata or pitta that you said that you don't want to be doing a lot of sun salutations or more dynamic or maybe vinyasa flow, right? Exactly. And then, for example, if you're a vata, doing some grounding sort of poses are really good. So like... Um, I don't know, um, what's a good... Um, tree pose? Tree, tree pose is a really good grounding pose. I'm a yoga teacher and I've gone black. <laughs> you know, grounding poses are really good. Seated sort of poses are really good. Warrior pose is really good as well. Like um, that's a really good one and one as well. And then if you're a um, kapha, then you might want to do some sun salutations to really kind of speed up that metabolism and to get things moving. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it's so uh, amazing to kind of be able to look at our bodies in a in a different way so that we can incorporate because you're then thinking about also the basically it's the energy or like you're saying the constitution what your body actually needs so then you can choose even in terms of your training if it's not yoga but other kinds of workouts the t the types of workouts that will suit your constitution better right yeah exactly like things like swimming like I love swimming as a vata I love just gentle exercise and swimming is really lovely mm. um Meditation, I know it's not exercise, but meditation is probably good for all, especially for Pitta as well. Like maybe they have, like they're quite fiery, they might have a very busy mind. Mm. So meditation would be really good as well. And then exercise for Pitta would be cooling things as well, like swimming as well. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit of a, I think I'm a mix of a, I might be similar to you actually. I think I'm yeah. a, a Vata and a Vata Pitta, right? Yeah. A bit of a mix, yeah. And I, I do find I can do high intensity workouts and things, but I do need, I do need to pull it. I definitely know when I need to pull it back and and go for low, lower impact and more, like you were saying, just grounding, grounding um, movement. 
Also, what's really interesting is, you know how I was saying it kind of goes throughout your life. So when you're a baby, you're very much in like the cuffer stage, you know, you're in that like cuffer stage. And then when you're in like teenager and 20s and things, you're into that pitta, like you've got a lot of energy and a lot of fire. And then it sort of tails off into more of a vata um, as you get older. And I'm 54 now. So the high intensity workouts just... I crumble. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do like a hit class or anything like that. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just too much. So it's really, it is, it's just listening to your body, looking at where you're at and finding the appropriate sort of things that work for you as an individual. And that's what I love about Ayurveda. It's all about just being, you know, all about just you and not following a specific diet or regime. Yeah, it's finding those pieces that work for you and your constitution. And and again, you can be a little bit of a mix of both. So you can pick and choose yeah. to see where you're yeah. at also in terms of seasonal as well, right? Which yeah, is, um, exactly. yeah, it's very, and even during cool. the day, like you might get overheated. And so it's just like cooling down. And then you could go through a few iterations of, you know, doshes throughout the day. So it's just tuning in really and, you know, listening to how you feel mm. and then finding things that help you come back to um base yeah and i think this it's really about being aware i think too really like you're saying tuning in to your body and what it actually needs so that's self-awareness piece i think is really big and 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 also physically aware bodily aware of what's going on um now you touched on this earlier this whole concept about mindful eating and the relationship that we have between our emotional state and then perhaps the foods that we choose to eat when we're in different emotional states. And I I definitely know that I've spoken to friends, but also clients as well, that can get into certain moods and, you know, the the 3pm thing is a thing, but then also just if you're feeling a certain way, you're reaching for a certain food. So can you talk through this a little bit and yeah, explain or, or kind of tell us what the best ways are to be more mindful. Yeah, I think um, you're absolutely right when it comes to it's It's almost like it's emotional eating. Sometimes if you're feeling a little bit anxious, you eat more. Like I'm someone like that. Like if I'm anxious, I'll want to eat more. And then other people, when they're anxious, they don't want to eat at all. It's, it's just a really is an individual thing. But I think coming back to mindful eating is really just bringing it all back to being in the moment with it. So for example, if you're having lunch, it's really good to just sit down and if you can, like try not to eat at your desk if you're working in in an office, Um, but sit down maybe outside, go out of the office, go sit on the grass somewhere and just really, really start to slow it down. That is like thinking about the food, what you're eating, maybe where it's come from, where you got it from, how it tastes when you're eating it. Like just really, you know, tuning into the senses when you're doing it. And that way you can really digest it a lot better. And it's going to be so much better for your digestion that you'll absorb a lot more of the nutrients. It's just, it's so good for your gut health as well, mindful eating. But it's also good to sort of take a break and not nervously eat and then you're not going to sort of be digesting it very well. So, yeah, that's kind of, it's just about really tuning into that specific moment. You'll feel a lot better. I know it sounds a bit weird. The other thing is chewing it um, more often, like chewing it more. So instead of like just wolfing it down, just being mindful about how many times you chew it. Maybe you want to chew it like 10 times or whatever and just being in the moment and, yeah, it definitely is much better for your digestion. 
Yeah, being present really, that's what it yeah. is. Yeah, being in the moment. And I, and I know this is probably very difficult for a lot of us because we tend to rush through life and life yeah. is so fast-paced and we often are, you know, just kind of shoving it in and, and then going off and doing whatever it is or doing something else while we're eating. So it's, yeah. it's almost just concentrating solely on eating yeah. the food that you're eating. Yeah, I really like so that. Just tuning into the senses of how it how it tastes and how it feels in your mouth and really savoring it and really enjoying it. Mm. And, um, yeah, I think I think that's a nice if you can, even just once a day, even if it's just at dinner time, just sit down and really enjoy a meal. I think that's a good thing to do. Yeah, definitely. I think we all could do more of that. Um, and the other thing that you – well, one of the other philosophies that you have around food and I think part of your – I guess, intention for supercharged food is to really change the perception that cooking fresh, wholesome and nutrient-rich meals is difficult. Yeah. And, you know, and I definitely do think that that's, that's something, especially with our modern day life, you know, we're yeah. all, like I said before, racing around, I don't have time to do this oh, and then I have to go buy these foods and oh, it has to be organic and da 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 So... Yeah. What are your tips? Because you you make amazing. If you go to Lee's um, Instagram, she's got amazing recipes on there and all looks amazingly beautiful, fresh, all really luscious foods. What are your tips for making this kind of cooking Mm. easy? Yeah. I get that question a lot in terms of people. Like it is, it is, it can be complicated if you're looking, if you see a recipe and it's got like 12 ingredients and Mm. They it, like you can't even pronounce some of the words, and you're like, "Oh my goodness, is this from Australia, or is, does it come from? <laughs> Where does this ingredient come from?" You're, you're mispronouncing it. Um, so, with my recipes, what I try and do is keep them really simple with everyday ingredients, and by that I mean cauliflower, zucchini, broccoli, um, a few ingredients, not too many per recipe, and just keep it super simple. The other thing I think that we've kind of lost our connection with food as well, whereby, you know, in the like years ago, um, you would know where to get your fish. You would know like locally um, who grows whatever um, berries or vegetables and things like that. And and our kind of take on food these days is I'm going to make a pasta. I'll get some pre-made pasta. I'll get some pre-made tomato sauce. I'll pop that over the top, some pre-grated cheese, and there's dinner. And I think we can, that is simple, but I think there are recipes that you can do that are just as simple but healthier for you without all of those preservatives in them. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I get home, like from work, I'll do a soup, so I'll roast off um, veggies in the oven, throw them into a pan with a bit of coconut milk, with a bit of um, stock like that I've bought from the supermarket, lots of herbs and spices. I like to spice things up with herbs and spices and it's that simple and you're getting all that medicinal value from the herbs and spices. So, yeah, just a few simple things and tips like that. I think smoothies are also very good in the morning or smoothie bowls because you're going to get a lot of nutrition from that. Um, so just keeping it really simple and minimal. And obviously I'm a big advocate for growing your own. Yes. So, and I just think it's really, really super fun. And I, I'm really passionate about it. I absolutely love it. So I've just moved house and moved up to Palm Beach, you know, Summer Bay where they make hot yes. And um, I had to move my veggie garden from my old house to this house. And so I've, I've just got some new um, veggie pods that I'm using and they're really easy to use actually and so I'm they, they've just taken off they've absolutely taken amazing off. 
yeah, I get a lot of joy out of that. And I know, um, and it's been easy. It hasn't been a hard process. It's actually easier than going to the supermarket. I just go in, grab all the leaves I need, grab all everything I need and throw it into a wrap. A lot easier. It, the setup's a little harder, but if you could do it on a weekend, it's good. Yeah. Simple, simple everyday ingredients into nice, simple recipes. And there's a lot on my website as well, simple recipes that you can just go and grab online. Yeah, there's a lot in there. And I mean, I guess this kind of ties in with um, my next question, which is cooking these types of meals, these nutrient-dense meals on a budget. So obviously one of them would be grow your own because, yes, okay, the setup might take a little bit longer, but then obviously you have it on hand and it's seasonal because obviously things aren't going to grow when it's out of season. Um, So what are your other kind of tips that you might be able to give for people wanting to eat more healthily, more whole foods, more Mm. nutrient-rich meals, but they want to do it on a budget? Yeah, on a budget, I sort of think buying in bulk if you can and buying, yeah, is really good. And also batch freezing. I know a lot of people say that, but it is helpful to batch freeze. So I'll make up like, for example, my um, cauliflower topped um, bolognese dish and I'll make that and put it in the freezer and then just sort of uh, apportion it out and I eat that from the freezer. So I do a lot of portions sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I find that not every day I want to cook either. So on a Sunday I will sort of do a batch cooking day. I make my own granola as well. So I'll do all of that and I'll make a big batch of that and store that. Um, I actually store that in the fridge sometimes or in the pantry. So I I do sort of eat out of the fridge and freezer Mm. um, and then just incorporate fresh things as well some days. But I think for a busy family, eating um, that way, and and also there are some really good foods that you can buy just from the supermarket that are healthy. Frozen peas, you know, frozen veg, you can still do that and they are snap frozen and they're still healthy. So don't worry too much about has to be fresh and organic and all of that. You can eat you can make some meals with them, um, especially like a frittata, you know, with frozen peas and things like that, just as healthy. Yeah, yum. Yeah, I really like those those tips because, yeah, I guess you can get really caught up in thinking that it's, it is difficult, but it really doesn't have to be like you're saying. So those tips yeah. are really great. So one of the things that I like to talk to all of my guests about on the podcast is failure and rejection because we all experience this in our lives to varying degrees in different situations. So I am very curious to know what is your biggest failure or rejection and what have you learned from it? Um, I think it's not just one specific failure, but I think a big learning that I've had in the last few years is like I lived my life before and I never trusted the process. Like I always just worried about the minutiae, the little things like, am I being a good wife? Am I being a good girlfriend? Am I being a good mom? Then just worrying about things all the time. And I never really relaxed and really trusted the process of things and, you know, let go. Mm -hmm. I think one of the main lessons in life that I've learned recently, because I had last year was just a really bad year for me. Like everything was just crazy bad. And from that, I learned if you just stay still and let everything oscillate around you and go inward and learn and deal with past trauma and things like that, then you really do feel a lot more peaceful and learn just to let go and trust. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise we spend our lives on a treadmill and worrying from one day to the next. And yeah, I think that's my biggest lesson. And 
I guess my failure was to just think that other things were really important. The little things were important. Is my house clean enough? Have you know you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the as well. Yeah. 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 And I <laughs> let go, let go and, and surrender. And I think I mean, you touched on, I mean, you know, the last couple of years I think has been hard for for everyone. It's been such a tough time and and probably I mean, when you when I hear you say that, I think I think it has brought all of us to this point of really going what is really important and there are some things that we just can't control, right? And we just have to just go on and and like you said, let go and surrender, which is um, I really like that. Now, the other question that I have for you is if you had a life philosophy that you try to live your life by, what would that be? I try to live my life by less is more. So I'm quite a minimalist, especially at home. And yeah, so we don't need a lot to make us happy. Um, So that is my, I guess, my life philosophy. And I do that in a lot of areas of my life, just living a very low key life um, for me personally really works. Yeah. Yeah. I like that too. I, I think it's, it's interesting because I think our world that we live in right now is, is there's so much going on. And so to simplify, I think that's a really nice idea. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been such an amazing chat and I feel like, you know, we haven't really gotten to sit down and chat and it's been so, we've known each other for so long. So thank you so much. Oh, it's really, really nice to chat with you, Rach, in detail. <laughs> yeah, in detail. So where can everyone find all your amazing things? Because Lee has so many uh, resources, recipes, programs and, you know, all different things. Where can they, where can people listening find all of your good stuff? So I have a couple of websites. The first one is superchargedfood.com. And on that, I have a blog and it has all the recipes and tip bits and health and things like that and programs. And then I have another website called superchargeyourgut.com, which is all centered around gut health. And that's where the products are. I've got like Love Your Gut Powder, Golden Gut Blend. I've got Fulvic Humic, which is a really good supplement for leaky gut and energy. It's a really amazing one. So there's lots of different things on there. Um, So those two. And then my Instagram is Lee Supercharged with a D. And Facebook is Supercharged Food. Facebook is Supercharged Food. So make sure you check out all of those websites, guys. And Lee's Instagram. We'll pop them up in the show notes. So thank you again, Lee, so much for joining me on the show. And thank you guys for listening. So make sure you tell us what has helped you the most or what you loved most from this episode and leave a rating, leave a review. We'd love to hear what you love to hear from Lee. And also if you like this episode, make sure you screenshot it and tag us and share it to your IG stories. And we'll catch you next time on the Rach Active Podcast. 